former Deputy Prime Minister and ex-Commonwealth Secretary-General Sir Don McKinnon gave the keynote address, as it turns out today, at the service of celebration for the Platinum Jubilee of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II at Wellington Cathedral of St Paul. He actually enjoyed many meetings with Queen Elizabeth in his various high-profile roles. He joins us now. A very good afternoon, Sir Don. Hi, Sir Don. Well, good afternoon to you both. Thank well, you. we're just getting people to share their stories, those that have met the Queen in person and those that have just seen her from a distance. Turns out, Sudan, one in ten Kiwis have actually seen her with their own eyes <laughs> in person. But you got up close and personal as it was. Were, you, were there ever times, given, I suppose, actually in your role she was your boss technically, were you ever intimidated by her? No, not really ever. I mean, <clears throat> yes, she was my boss. We had probably about 25 meetings over my time, each was about half an hour, 40 minutes. Mm. There were no note takers in the room, so if we could say anything. <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the thing I so much enjoyed was after a couple of meetings, I realized that me just doing a tour of the Commonwealth Horizon really wasn't enough. And, uh, oh, look, in the end, we were chatting about uh, fa- families, you know, bringing up kids, uh, wayward kids, uh but particularly horses and cattle. That was her favourite subject. And luckily I knew a bit about horses and cattle, so we could always uh, wander off in different directions there. That's very nice. Didn't you have some sort of incident when you were riding a horse while you were over there? (laughs) Well, I was, yes, I was riding with the horse guards uh, in the morning. This is the household cavalry, you know, these Mm. huge big black horses that go down to uh, Whitehall every day. They get people like me, who are keen enough or stupid enough to ride the first thing in the morning and uh, <laughs> just for exercise. And uh, I was on one, and we got into a bit of a canter, then suddenly uh, I was on the ground, and he had gone sort of thing. And uh, it left me rather lame. And when I went to meet the Queen later that day, which had been prearranged anyway, here I was limping in, and she said, well, you know, what's wrong with you? I said, well, I, I fell off one of your horses. What do you mean, my horse? I said, one of your lifeguard's horses. And then, and then, brief silence, and then she said, is the horse okay? <laughs> That's what people have said, that she's got a great sense of humour. Oh, she has. Uh, she's got a wicked sense of humour, and I saw it quite a few times as she was, uh, as I told her, the service this morning, I had had a meeting with her, giving her a background on, the Chogger meeting we were about to have mm. in Australia. And as I went out of her uh, her room or her office, uh, it was just a drawing room, I guess, and I wasn't walking out backwards. I was. I heard this, suddenly this voice behind me said, see ya uh, in Australia. Oh, wow. And I spun around, and it was her with a big smile on her face with a sort of forge, didn't I? Oh, isn't that brilliant? I just love hearing that. That's so good. Did you notice any changes in your time, in your roles there, Sudan? Did the Queen change at all? You know, because life has changed so dramatically. She's been there for 70 years. And of course, just with the social media and her own family expanding and growing and ageing and getting into a bit of strife. Did you see any of that? You were there for eight years. Well, look, yes, you saw it all. And I don't like to say that, you know, I got to know her very well. And I, I could see the pain that she carried for her children. Mm. Uh, she worried about her children. She worried about her grandchildren. She had, you know, amazing love for all of them, and she gave them a huge amount of support. But as long as they were her children and 
all of us who've got children, you do worry about your kids. Mm. There are growing calls, and I, I, I'm, a, I'm a monarchist, I'm a royalist, I love the royal family, and I can't even ex- understand it myself, Sidon, but there are growing calls uh, just across the ditch, very strong calls for Australia to become a republic. There are some in New Zealand that would like to see it that way. Do you think there will ever be a time when New Zealand is a republic? Look, it's a, it's a hard one for me to say, but before I took the job in London, I actually believe that the monarchy could come to an end in the UK probably within 50 years. Having lived there and seen it is not just the monarchy, there's a huge structure that revolves around the monarchy. The whole of the House of Lords mm. is part of the monarchy. Mm. And it's, it's there's a big vested interest in keeping it. So uh, will it go here? I think... Um, Look, I, I've often asked, been asked this question publicly, and I'm prepared to give you the same answer, is that uh, we, could, we are probably heading in that direction. But my view is that uh, unless Māori, unless Tangata Whenua are satisfied, they might be the ones who just not allow it to happen. After all, they signed the treaty with Queen Victoria. Mm. And it's likely they will say, well, until everything is all right for us, you know, we're not we're not going to let go. Now I've said the same thing about Australia. Australia to become a republic, all seven states have to agree. And if Queensland held out; they wouldn't go either. Well, that's really interesting. Take yeah, on. and yeah, it is a nice take. And and thank you for mentioning that because, uh, Sidon, you probably don't realise because I don't sound it. I'm Maori, and uh, really, really interesting perspective. Thank you. Mm. Last thing before you go, Sidon, I mean, obviously, there are some people almost lamenting and a bit sad, feeling a bit melancholic about this 70th celebration because they think it'll be the last time, really, most of us get to see the Queen. What, what in your view, will be the thing that we most miss when she leaves that role, hopefully alive? Well, of course, we will just miss her. Mm. You know, has has there ever been a more steady influence mm. as a head of state, not just for New Zealand, but for uh, a number of Commonwealth realms, including the UK, an absolute steady hand at the helm? Now, she doesn't have a lot of executive power. She does have some. But that steadiness that's been, always been there can really absorb a lot of the volatility that you get in daily politics. Mm. And that's quite a good thing. And and most countries that have presidents, the, the, the president is supposed to be the very stable one, and the, the legislature the more rambunctious one. So she's just given us that, you know, from her office, a level of peace and tranquility, but understanding and very sharp. You know, she knows what's going on. Mm. She may not voice it very often, but she's She's watching television news. She's looking at television soaps from time to time. Mm. She knows what people are doing. But there she is at the helm, always prepared to prepare to do what the British government asks her to do. And they ask her to do some pretty awful things at times, uh, who she you know, who she has to have dinner with or something like that. Mm. But uh, she just does it calmly, never gets upset. Nice. So good to get your perspective and insight. Thank you very much, Sidon. All Thanks the very sharing, best to you. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Sir Don McKinnon.